0: You're listening to Life in Our Skin, a podcast created for women in the middle. Here, we discuss unique perspectives of our American experience, living between the white and black communities. I'm Lisa Harris.
1: And I'm Anahita Champion. Join us as we share life in our skin, raw and unedited. Welcome back, friends, and beautiful audiences near and far. Welcome back to another episode of Life in Our Skin podcast, where we explore the lived experiences of amazing women between the white and black communities, and we are here to honor them in this space, to hear their stories, and we have another incredible guest today. We are so thrilled to welcome her, but first, I'm Anahita Champion, and this is my guest, Lisa Harris. My guest. My, my oh host, my guest goodness. host. You're my guest fun. today.
0: This is live and this is raw and this is real. And yes, I am your co-host. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, Lisa. It has been crazy, crazy over here. And actually it's, it's raining here in Minneapolis, but I am Lisa Harris and I am also your co-host for Life in Our Skin. And I am thrilled to be back interviewing our next guest. And we have been looking forward to interviewing her for months. Months. Three, I mean,
1: we months. excited about this one yes. and I just met her through you so I'm gonna just let you introduce her because I'm so excited.
0: We are so thrilled to have our next guest with us today and I'm gonna keep it a little mysterious up front first. Um, I met her through a mutual friend so I'm gonna call him out right now. I'm gonna shout his name out Brett McPherson a dear friend of mine from high school. I grew up with him ever since we were in the grade school and he had gone to college with our next guest and he thought it was important for her to know me and me to know her and I couldn't agree more. So a shout out to Brett and thank you to Brett because Our next guest is Incredible Woman, and we just hit it off right away. We will say, leave her day job as a mystery to you all, but I want you to know that she has an extensive background in mental health and PR, journalism, writing and communications, and she comes to us from Washington, D.C. So with that, I would like to introduce our audience to... Miss Susanna Sung! <laughs> hello, hello.
2: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, ladies, for having me.
1: I was like, wait a minute, she does what? She's she's like, she's like my Chinese friend like I've never met before. She's feisty, <laughs> she's fierce. You guys, the email exchange prior to this episode was fierce <laughs> and I was here for it. And then to know a little bit about your background, I'm like, yeah, obviously. So thank you for being here today, Susanna. Of course, of course. We have a lot we want to cover. And guess what? This is not a four-hour long podcast. So we're going to dive right in (laughs) and take us back, dear, to five-year-old Susanna. What were you like? What were your interests? What did you wear? What colors did you like? What personality did you have? Talk about five-year-old you.
2: Oh, that is such a great question. I haven't been five in a long time now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So super interesting question because my parents um, are immigrants from Hong Kong. And so I did not have your typical American childhood of, you know, summer camps and sports and dance and, you know, those kinds of activities didn't have sleepovers or, Oh, can I tell you a story about sleepovers? That's just kind of funny. So (laughs) I remember asking my parents for, to go to on a sleepover at some point in my life. Um, Probably not five, but somewhere along the line. And they were like, no. And I'm like, why not? And they're like, because Chinese don't do sleepovers. So I was like, okay. And so I swear to God, ladies, I grew up my entire life thinking that like this race of people do not do sleepovers. Like genetically, (laughs) apparently, we don't do sleepovers. And so I remember when I went off to, you know, the first night at college. like, you know, we were, uh, you meet all these new people and, you know, you go to all these parties. And I remember like a bunch of us, you know, like new friends all crashed in another uh, young woman's um, dorm room. And I swear I'm the biggest dork sometimes too. So like I'm laying on the floor and then all of a sudden I just like pop up and I scream, oh my God, I'm at my first sleepover. And everyone <laughs> looks at me and they're like, who invited her into this room? <laughs> Is this Chinese gal? (laughs) Yeah, what the fuck is going on here? Oh, can I curse? I'm sorry. We we just did. did. Okay. This is how we do around here. So there we go. Yeah, so I didn't have like your very traditional like American childhood growing up because they just didn't have the time or the money for hobbies and activities and and stuff like that. Um, So I grew up, my dad had um, a chain of... um, watch clock and jewelry stores. And so we grew up in the back room um, until we were old enough to, you know, work on, you know, the sales floor. Um, so I think, you know, back then there was a lot of um, you know, playing with my younger sister who is three years younger than I am, um, reading a lot. And, you know, I think spending a lot of time in my head, right? Because it gets really boring back there in the in the stock room. Um, and I think that, you know, personality-wise, I was probably just like a normal sort of kid, but I think that I was a little fierce even back then. I remember, um, so my parents bribed the school district to enroll me early. So I went to kindergarten when I was four. I swear to God, they paid every month um, to get me in early. And I bet they regretted that because on the first day, that like he drops, my, so my parents go to drop me off. Um, and I may or may not have been overly attached to my mom back then. So she smartly stayed in the car. And so my dad, you know, walks me in. My older sister is five years older than I am. So, you know, she's in the school somewhere. And I guess like the time that we showed up, my class was supposed to be outside in recess. So they take me out there. And, you know, it's just all so overwhelming. And instead of being honest my dad's like i'm gonna go inside to see your sister for a minute and i'm like okay and then you know a few minutes pass and then i see their car like drive down the road i'm like what the fuck?" so you know like i freak out and i just remember there's this like little metal pole and like I grabbed onto that for dear life and refused to let go. And they were like, no, no, you guys have to go back inside now. I'm like, no, I don't think so. Um, And I remember like one of the teachers was like trying to like pry my grubby little fingers off the pole. And so I bit her um, because, you know, why not? Um, So my parents were not happy with me that day. Oh, no. No, 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 that wasn't good. And then I remember, so, you know, like, my parents had to rely on the kindness of, you know, strangers and neighbors, because, you know, when you come over, you don't know anybody. Um, And, you know, you don't know what you don't know either, right? So you don't know a lot about the culture that you land in and all these unspokens and the way the world sort of works, right? So they were always, you know, trying to be really careful about navigating that. Um, And I remember my best friend at the time, his name was Brett also, um, (laughs) down the street. He came over for, like, lunch and must have been, you know, the 70s version of, uh, you know, Playdate or something. Um, And I remember, like, he ate something that I wanted. So I just, like, got up and I punched him in the face. (gasps) And, yeah, right? That was sort of my mom's reaction was, (gasps) oh! So... Yeah, don't eat something that I want, I guess is the the moral of the story. And and, yeah. and don't lie when you leave me, right? Don't like that, those don't are my food. life
0: lessons. Don't eat my food and don't lie to me. Wow. I, I mean, you can build a whole life on that. <laughs> can you write a I book? Right. I was mm-hmm.
1: about that. Don't lie and
0: don't don't eat my food. I, I think we're you gonna have food? to put that in the write-up. Don't lie and don't eat my food. Um, I love that, Susanna. I love hearing about um, <laughs> You know, the little girl in you was um, fierce and um, trying to figure stuff out probably right away like your parents.
2: Yeah. 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 I, I think for most of my, and even sometimes, you know, in my adult life, you know, I'm like middle-aged now at this point, but there's still sort of like, oh, that's how that works sort of thing.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh gosh. I love it. Very fierce. <laughs> very feisty. You know, kind of an that, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> A very kind and compassionate one, though.
2: Now, now, <laughs> right? Like before, oh, sure, not so much. Yeah.
0: You know, well, what, I lo- what I love about this podcast is, you know, we really want to do highlight the lived experiences of women who are in the middle, right? The women who, you know, have um, an immigration story and we want other people to understand Just what that experience is like, you know, you saying, okay, Chinese don't do sleepovers. I mean, (laughs) other people may have never heard that before, but that didn't shock me at all. Right. I mean, I have an understanding of, you know, family are here. Friends are over here. Those are two different things. Yes, and today, yes, in yes. my adult life, and over the course of living, you know, on American life, I can understand now that friends can be family. But I kind of, you know, understand that string of um, that cultural perspective, and it, that, that's what this is all about: is to hear about you as a person and kind of those cultural experiences, right? Um, so let's talk about that. Raised by Chinese immigrants. Can you share with us just a little bit more about those beliefs, like those family beliefs about what it meant to be American? Because we're talking Chinese and we're talking American and we're talking Susanna growing up in those, in that world. Yeah,
2: that's a really great question. Um, So, you know, I, I think most people come here for, you know, the land of opportunities, right? Like they come here for more of a, a more even playing field um, for their family, I think is the, you know, probably the main driver yeah. for people to, you know, come over here. Um, and, and I w- think that that was probably the only plus for my parents. I don't think they had a very favorable view of um, American culture, if you will. You know, like you said, um, family dynamics for us is very much, um, very, uh, you know, that familial piety, that loyalty, the strong bonds, the obedience of of everything, Um, and the sacrifices for a greater good. You know, I, I think those are very, you know, core, Asian, you know, traditional values. Um, and, and they came to see American life to be very different, that there was, um, a focus on leisure and pleasure that, you know, Mm, social aspects of life is important. Um, you know, sports is an extension of that, you know, social connection piece and, you know, that leisure activity piece. Um, and, you know, they came here for one thing, right? Like they understood their assignment. They came, yeah. For you know a better education and better opportunities to move up in you know one station in life. Um, mm. And so you know there there was a really big clash in in yeah. those two value systems. And you know, I, I think it really, impacted my sense of self and who I am, you know, for a really long time, you know, there was, you know, back then, there was no such thing as cultural humility, there was no such thing as, you know, acknowledging and respecting where one comes from, and that those cultures are also valid, you know, there was very much um, a worldview of assimilation, that, you know, and and I didn't quite understand the true depth of The concept of assimilation, I think, you know, I I knew internally that I had to be more like them to be accepted, to be able to have the opportunities. But I don't think in my head, intellectually, I ever took it to go a step further, also meaning denying these other pieces of, of who I am. And, you know, back then, literally, the society and, you know, all these systems were telling me that the way my family functioned is dysfunctional. You know, my family was full of enmeshed relationships. This was bad. That you know, I needed to either break free from that and become you know independent in this very American way, or my family had to change. One of the two needed to happen for me to be whole. Um, and I think, you know, my par- I think my parents saw that. You know, how could they not? Right. Um, and they, they my I remember my mom used to get really angry at me, and she's like, you know, you think you're American, you think that you're white because you think like them because you're raised here. But let me remind you that you are not white. That people can see you, and they will treat you accordingly. Um, and you always have to remember that. And I remember, you know, getting so mad at her when she would say that. I'm like, oh, that's so naive, um, you know, and. You know, I, I think that they always knew that they were, you know, I think they were afraid of losing me
0: um, yeah. to that. You know, what's really interesting is now as 47, I'm 47. So I just assumed you were, are you 47? <laughs> I am 48. I'm if I just put it out on the podcast. It's, it's, it's fine. You see my white hair. hair and this is our fingerprint. <laughs> This is our blood type. How about you? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, so That's interesting. Um, When I'm thinking about all of that underneath right now, I'm thinking your mom was right. They are going to see you that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So off script, obviously, but wow.
1: Very. Mom was right because we 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 Lisa and I both have conversations about assimilation. Right? Where do we fit in? Right. Are we white? Are we Whatever our cultural roots are, what what does that even look like? How do we how do we blend in, but then we stand out? And it's interesting because your mom said, "Let me remind you, you're not white." And and we probably took it. I'm sure you did. And tell me if I'm wrong. Took it as like a negative way, like, well, dang, like I'm trying to just do my thing here. But now mm-hmm. that we have a perspective in this day and age, in 2022. No, I'm not white. And I'm proud of it. And so not always right but the women moms in the 70s 80s and 90s had a way of saying things and making us feel and how their upbringing was a totally different
2: perspective. So <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think also, you know, and I used to get angry at my mom when she would say that. And I'd be like, you know, what did you expect? I, I remember saying this to I'm like, what did you expect moving over here and having children here in America? And here you are complaining that we're too American. What did you expect? Yeah. And, you know, how can you, you make the best choices that you yeah. can, right? And I don't think that anyone could really fully understand what that means of yeah. Being raised in another culture. Um, and, you know, I, I think that was really difficult for them. And God damn it, I was rude to her.
0: <laughs> yeah. Can't well, we that. remember the five year old Susanna. So <laughs> imagine 15 year old Susanna, 25 year old Susanna. <laughs> uh, still kind of an asshole
2: then.
1: Yeah, totally. Still 43 years later of, of wiser assholeness, really. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hopefully kinder too. Oh,
1: but that oh, depends on the yeah. day. Oh, gosh. When you think about and look back and maybe even present day, like, the, like talking about assimilation and the proximity to whiteness, right? Your mom was like, let me remind you, What? how have those concepts impacted your personal self-identity? Like, do you have an example that can illustrate that with us?
0: Um, can I just say one other thing too, Anita?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: As we're talking about whiteness, there's also this, this thought that's coming into my mind is that I know, and I don't know how you wanna spin it into this last question, Susanna, wherever you go, but there's also this idea of, um, we know you are a mother of multiracial children as well. So I think there's something interesting we could talk about that goes back to Ana Tita's question about proximity to whiteness and how that is trans- translated to you today and beyond, right? The next generation of you.
2: It yeah, that's a
1: loaded question. I will ask this too. And you, sorry, this is a <laughs> lot. Hold on, you're I need to, to take notes. Get out. Which one do you want me to answer? No. All of them. <laughs> Proximity to whiteness, the yeah. whole aspect of like self identity, but also like <laughs> things that you're unlearning, perhaps as you're parenting
2: too. Yeah, uh, yeah, all of that wrapped into one, right? Um, yeah. All of it is is also related. So let me start off with you know Lisa's you know observation about you know having this next generation and what do we do with that in terms of you know their identity? How much do we foster? You know which cultural aspects? So I I, I don't think that it, it was interesting. Um, when I had my first child, there was this really um, unexpected pull towards my heritage. Um, it was like almost overnight where all of a sudden, I sort of understood the, this weight of the world on me that here I am bringing, you know someone into this world, and you know, he's half Chinese. And this is who he is, and you know, I suddenly had this desire to want to, you know, pass that down—that knowledge and heritage and cultures and um, traditions—because he does not look white, Um, and I, I think that now that you know he's he's in college now, and his sisters in high school, and we're looking at finding schools that are a good fit for her has been really interesting this is really recent where you know I'm looking at you know we're looking at what she wants to study where she wants to you know go geographically Um, but what we've discovered is one of the main things is that it needs to be meaningfully diverse um, on that campus and I have to sort of, you know, to your question of what are some of the things you're still trying to unlearn, you know, I almost with every school that pops into our heads, I have to sort of stop and think because, you know, I'm like, you know, back in my day, they, you know, you wanted to go to these, um, you know, elite liberal arts schools. Um, and when you look at them now, though, they're, you know, small, a lot in the Northeast, predominantly white. And you know, that's what we defined as good, as desirable, as elite. Um, And those no longer fit who she is. Um, Where Mm -hmm. upon, you know, I look at those schools as that was my goal to assimilate, right? Like that, I was supposed to go up to that station in life and that was supposed to be successful. Um, So I, yeah, so I, I think also, you know, then to sort of pivot to, you know, your question, Anahita, of, you know, how how is this, you know, concept of assimilation really, um, you know, impacted who I am, I, I think that I ended up. I, I learned early on to be a chameleon, and you know, for a long time, I actually took great pride in that. That you know, I could be whoever people wanted me to be in whatever setting that I was in, with you know, whatever you know, class or you know, raised or you know, anything. Um, I could be what people expected, um, and I depend. You know, I that's that was a great skill. I thought that I had. Um, but then I realized that maybe not so much like later in life because there was no me there, right? Like I was what everybody else expected me to be. Um, and I, th- I wasn't there, um, but, you know, at, at, and I think I got there because I'm, you know, I'm many things, but I'm no dummy. You know, growing up, I saw what happens when you are seen and you are not quite assimilated. Um, I remember uh, when I was really young, my, my dad built um, a little gate in the fence in the backyard so that my sister could cut through, my older sister could cut through a field um, between the school and our backyard to run home because every day a group of boys would chase her and, so, you know, it was not safe to be seen. Um, you know, I remember growing up hearing all of these kids play these really cruel jokes on um, their, you know, they had, um, they would employ people from Mexico to clean their homes and they would play really cruel jokes of screaming immigrations at the door, you know, shit like that. Um, and, you know, people, I, I remember too, you know, on the school bus, the the kids arguing over me is she a chink or is she a gook um and just like again you know it you needed to stay small you needed to stay quiet to be you know left alone that was the safe place there um you you wanted to be that model minority that they tell you that we are to keep us in our place right that look she studies hard. She's quiet. She doesn't raise any trouble at all. She's not on welfare. We're good. We will take her. So I, you know, had to, you know, unlearn all of that and unlearn and and find my voice and who I am in that. That was super
0: long-winded. Sorry. No, it was beautiful. I related to so much of it. How about you, You (laughs) Um,
1: Yes, in a different way, but also looking back at like my Asian friends growing up and how they probably felt so much of what you were just saying. Because of a lot of my friends, I tried to relate to anyone that wasn't white, right? Like I tried to be that chameleon because I felt like they would understand me better. That was like the most profound analogy I've ever heard. I wrote that one down. But now I think back at like people making fun of my peers saying, Oh, it's the quiet Asians you have to watch out for. They're the mysterious ones. They're the, they're the freaky ones or they're the this one. But lo and behold, you're probably trying to digest a lot and figure out what your next move is, what you're going to say, how you're going to act. So you just painted this whole narrative that took me back like 30 years. And all I could do is just like, I wish I could hug the gal. That's, that's really informative yeah. to share of, of how we can even be more compassionate towards each other too. And it's interesting because it, my mom would always say going back a little step was those americans and um, those <laughs> americans and amrikaya yeah, the american way of doing things because i think she was so pissed at being being in the state at some point
0: but, but well what was, i think I, is interesting in our stories is that even though our parents may have came here For a better life or a better opportunity, my grandfather always reminded him, reminded us that in his heart he was Filipino. Mm -hmm. So they came here because of those things, but they always in their heart were from another place. And so I think that, you know, is a reminder to me when I think about all these struggles and challenges and, and, and trying to. Find this crazy intersection that I live that their lived experience again is like so dramatically different, right? Um, you know, I just love that the um again the chameleon i I felt like that my entire life, like I could fit anywhere I was so so proud of it and I, and today I now embrace it, but there it I had to go full circle to embrace it like I went through that stage where I was like, no, like. I'm not every, I'm not everyone. I'm not every, I'm not there to build bridges for everybody. I'm not just gonna, you know, fit in wherever, wherever I can. Um, and then I kind of came full circle to realize that I do actually like being able to bring people together. Um, so I do think it's an interesting experience you have when you're either multiracial or you um, have immigrant parents and you're kind of, you know, have your feet in two different worlds, right? Um, yeah,
2: I, I think what you're saying too, you know, like, so yeah, coming full circle that, you know, now we're in a place where we can choose yes. to, um, you know, alter our behaviors, um, and identity in certain situations whereupon before we had to do that because that's what
0: kept us safe. And we know our voice better now. Yes. Yes. And, yes. And, and, so that's, and that's key to, um, yeah. It's
2: amazing. Yeah. yeah and um, when you said, uh, you said that, you know, your grandfather always knew, you know, he was Filipino in his heart. Right. When you said that, I don't know why, but it just, uh, this thought popped in my head of, you know, recently um, one of my coworkers asked me, um, how do you identify? Like what, cause she was starting to say, oh, and you know, you're trying. And then she's like, no, no, wait, you know, like, how do you want to be identified. And I literally just out of nowhere, I started crying because I realized that in in, in 48 years, nobody's asked me how I identify. People tell me that I check off the Asian box, right? That's the box that we're given is I'm Asian American. I'm Chinese American. People tell me what I am, but no one has actually asked, how do I identify? I'm like, wow, that's a long time to not be, you know, Seen.
0: That's interesting. It hit you in that moment. It just yeah. it hit asked, you when she asked you that, Dana.
2: Yeah. How do you, how do you self-identify? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think today in this part, I, I identify as you know as Chinese. I know that you know the term Asian American, you know, sprung up for very good reasons. Um, you know, for for collect you know for collective advocacy. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I think it goes down to, you know, what is the definition of uh, America? You know, like, is, yeah, it's, yes, I'm American because I was, you know, born here in this country, but culturally, I identify, I think, more as as Chinese. You know, it's uh, funny when uh, my kids were little, I joined a Chinese play group because I wanted them to learn how to speak Chinese because you know there's so many things that um, make up your identity, your heritage, right? And you know, language is one of those. Um, and I wanted them to learn that. And you can't really learn that unless you're sort of you know immersed in it and have the ability to practice it and hear it and that sort of thing. And it was so funny because. Uh, there were several of the moms in the group who, you know, they would joke that they're fresh off the boat. They, you know, were from Taiwan or China, and they married, um, you know, Caucasian Americans, and they moved here and and had children. And they would just marvel as we got to know each other that I was more traditionally Chinese than they were, um, and that you know it's it was interesting that they pointed that out because I'd never realized that before. Um, and yeah, I, I, think that that's not a bad thing. It's
1: not a bad thing to own that, it. And it's very specific, right? Yes. So just yes. To own it and be so proud of it. And, and to know that it's a journey to even proudly just state that because of all the unlearning and the journey of confusion and comparison and the chameleon
2: and then, whew, it's loaded yeah yeah and yeah Yeah. and Asian Americans isn't you know it's not a one monolith right like there's there's similarities but there's differences between Japanese and Korean and you know it's oh and
0: that's that just gets me really excited for what we want to continue to explore in the next year on this podcast is that exact truth right Mm. um thank you so much Susanna for sharing all of this you know we really do enjoy hearing all the women in the middle, their experiences. And we could talk for hours. I mean, literally, there's like a sentence, every few sentences, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I want to unravel that so badly. But we are close to our time. And I really you know? wanted to make sure we ended with some fun questions, Ooh, which okay. is that's Anahita's jam. She's all about her fun, rapid fire questions. And I want oh, no. to her so we can have just a little fun as we okay. wrap up our extraordinary interview. Okay. This has nothing to do
1: with the topics <laughs> of today. And I will end it on a quote because that is how we end. And I pulled up a really fun one oh, good. Um, that we're going to end it off with. So you're on a deserted island. <laughs> what? If you could have anything to eat, whether it's on the island or not, you can snap your finger. What would that be?
2: Dim sum. Dim sum. Dim sum. Okay. Just cart- can, I, can it be more than like, can it be a, like, not just one item because I want all the dim sum cards. there. All of them.
1: <laughs> no all the rules dim sum. to this, <laughs> no <laughs> rules. Yeah, absolutely. All the different okay. types, dim sum. All the dim sum, that's it, yep. I love it. It's like saying tacos, it's taco salad, taco, whatever. It's like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yep. Um, that you- that <laughs> what is your absolute favorite or go-to must-have accessory, whether that's oh. a or apparel?
2: Oh, that would be my shoes and my handbags. Again, can, can can it be all the shoes? I guess they go together. Because, well, all right the shoes and and all the handbags. I may <laughs> or may not sort of have a problem. They're like children to me. I can't get rid of them, you and I love that. them all. Can you name baby show? Yeah. All the shoes. Oh,
1: do, you name, do you name your shoes in, in, in person?
2: No, they don't. I'm not that crazy. Oh, okay. I just name my car. Hey, <laughs> okay. oh, just a lot of people say that.
1: And if you could go to any destination, like oh. and teleport there and spend 10 days, all inclusive, oh, everything is, where would you go like tomorrow?
2: Oh, see this full circle, ladies, full circle. This brings me right back. Like you said, these rapid fire questions wasn't, you know, about what we were talking (laughs) about before, but it is. So I think it would be Hong Kong, but Hong Kong before this China, you know, crackdown. Um, That is, oh, that, that my, yes, my soul rests so Mm -hmm. happily there. And I can have all the dim sum and all the shoes there too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have a quote. I have a quote that fits this. Pick a number okay. one or two. Two. Okay. The quote I'm gonna tell you both. The first quote is <laughs> Why'd you make good. me pick then?
2: Because I wanted to. Yes, you are right. This is your podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Susanna. And you are, oh, yes. yeah, yeah. This is a quote by
1: Ruth Reichel. She says, pull up a chair, take a taste come join us. Life is so endlessly delicious. And I know Mm. that you don't want to say eat my food, but at least we can pull up a chair and share that. Right. And I wanted to share that quote because having conversations is like breaking bread. It's like pulling up a chair at this table yes, and telling these lived experiences because culture is so much more than what we look like and where we originate from. Like you said, it's language, it's food, it's music. And the other quote is a recipe has no soul you as the cook must bring the soul to the recipe and that is by thomas mm.
0: and again oh those family. are perfect anahita oh, good. you did such a good job well <laughs> oh, ladies thank you for giving Louisiana. me a seat at your table thank you for pulling it up and thank
1: we you appreciate for you building it honestly with us this was so enriching so and i beautiful. hope that the listeners today got one little or many nuggets out of it. We have so many quotes when we share this to post about you. (laughs) How can folks stay connected with you, Susanna? How can they support you? Oh, good question. Uh... (laughs) Or are you off the radar and it's just uh, on the DL?
2: I well I'm just trying to think. I'm like um I am so bad
0: with social media,
2: Lisa, you know this. No, you're about kidding.
0: me. Well, you know what? You out. are a talented writer. You do do writing on the side. Yes, I do. So we can as your community here in Minneapolis and anyone listening anywhere else can go to your blogs and read about them and learn about them and also just support you yes, behind the scenes you. as yes. you continue to write and explore yourself. You know, we are supporters of all people. And um, we can share that with our guests and let them know that you're out there in the world, sharing your voice and um, learning about yourself and trying to be a better human. Trying,
2: trying and you ladies are definitely helping me.
0: We appreciate (laughs) it. Thank you so much, Susanna. It has been a pleasure to share this space with you today. And I'm so grateful to have you in my circle. And I cannot wait for us to one day have a cocktail in person. In <laughs> person, yes. And swap stories about Brett McPherson. <laughs> <laughs> he should be scared right now. I'm t- <laughs> hey, Brett. Thank you, honey. Oh, have a great day. And thank you. We hope everyone out there listens to this episode. We'll share all the details and uh, we'll see you soon here on Life in Our Skin. Thank you. Bye. Bye.